everybody. Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. My name is Kirk Graham, and I'm flying solo today as Logan. Pastor Logan's helping lead a global team in the Middle East. I know we've got a few global teams out around the world right now, sharing the good news of Jesus, connecting with some of our Kingdom Builders partners, but he'll be back next week and give an update of what God's doing on the other side of the world. And I hope you're having a great week this week as you're listening here in Minnesota. Feels like summertime. Maybe not summer, but but springtime for sure. Man, it's been up in up in the 40s and no snow on the ground and the sun is shining as I speak. It just feels good. I can't I can't believe it's January, but I I hope you're having a good week and I hope you're doing well. We just wrapped up 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And I love that we do it every year. I love that we do it together every year. There's something about corporate prayer and corporate fasting, seeking the face of God, not just on an individual level. God, what do you want to do in my life? But on a corporate level, God, what do you want to do in our church and in our communities, in our cities? And I'm just praying that there are testimonies to come. Maybe you've got a testimony already. I'd love to hear it. You can message me on Instagram. Uh, You can message the church on Instagram. You can share a praise report on our River Valley app. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. If you've got a testimony surrounded um, kind of around the 21 days of prayer and fasting. But then also, I'm I'm believing that God's going to answer prayer throughout this year, that in March or in August or in December, God answers a prayer of yours and you, you, you'll you actually look back and go, I really believe it's a response to seeking the face of God during the 21 days of prayer and fasting that God is answering my prayer. Not that we earn an answered prayer, but as we seek the Lord, it is true that we will find him. And as we ask of the Lord, we will receive as we ask in the name of Jesus and in the will of God. So uh, just, I, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Maybe it was your first time fasting. Maybe you've been doing it for years, but I I, I love it every single year. I never get tired of it, uh, even though there's difficulty involved. Uh, I love that we do it as a church. And um, this weekend, uh I had the opportunity to share the the message and, and Pastor Rob, he asked me to share around the part of the vision this year that is the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. And the vision for our church is that as many people who get saved in the church, we'd love to see salvation happening outside of the church. And how is that going to happen? It's going to happen by you, the listener, you, the congregation member, uh, the person that's a part of our church, being out in your world, in your workplace, in the neighborhoods, in the schools, in the coffee shops, and everywhere we go, sharing the good news of Jesus uh, and seeing the people in your life give their lives to Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if all of your family members are saved? Uh, Wouldn't it be awesome if all of your work uh, your coworkers giving their lives to Jesus this year. Uh, and you have the opportunity to water baptize them. I love that Pastor Rob gave that update. We had baptism weekend this weekend, seeing many, many across the house uh, being baptized. But but now you as a friend or a family member have the opportunity. If you lead them to the Lord, you get to get, get in the tank with them and water baptize your friend or family member. So we had a little bit of that this weekend. I was at Apple Valley all weekend and uh, seeing friends 
baptized friends. And so, uh, and, and already just hearing so many testimonies, I, I shared this just at the end of the service at Apple Valley, that there is, there is a, uh, high school girl that is leading, uh, kind of a small group. And there were unbelievers at this last week's small group and 10 high school teenagers gave their lives to the Lord at, at the gospel presentation in that small group. And so that happened outside of the four walls of our church. But I love that there's teenagers um, seeing friends saved. But then also I got a text message on Sunday afternoon from somebody that leads a men's group. One of our men's small groups immediately left church to have lunch at the Mall of America and specifically to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with anybody that would listen. So they they were they were just walking around. Lord, lead us to people and um, help us give, give us an opportunity to be able to share the message. And I, I got this text uh, from the men's group leader saying, "Pray for Dwayne and Jade. They're currently homeless and uh, clearly using substances. But we had lunch with them today at the Mall of America. We talked for about an hour, and they heard a lot about Jesus. And so, uh, I, I love that we've got small groups that are walking in a boldness." on pursuit, trying to meet people, talk with people, and share the good news of Jesus. And if you wouldn't mind praying for Dwayne and Jade as well, that they would be set free from uh, any substance abuse or addiction, and also set free in Jesus' name from their sin and uh, alive in Christ. So wanted to be able to share that update. And um, one of the things I shared in the message was from a guy named Tom Eli, which there's a few people that came up to me after service as well saying, we, we knew Tom Eli from, from the Jesus People Church days and go way back. So I, I didn't know the legacy that this guy has, but he, he came up with this idea called the One Minute Witness. And I was sharing, th- this is something that you can memorize just on your hand because there's five points to remember in sharing uh, your testimony, your witness, and uh, sprinkling in what is the truth of the gospel message of Jesus in one minute with somebody that doesn't know. And I just would love to take a little bit of time on this podcast to be able to recap those five things and also to give an example of what that would look like by sharing my one-minute witness, my personal testimony, one-minute witness. So the first the first thing, and if you just hold out your thumb as you're listening, the first thing uh, is asking permission. And Tom Eli says, uh, this is a great question to ask somebody. Hey, could I, ask, could I ask you a question? What is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? And then just be genuine in your listening and hearing their story and, and caring about them. But then you would have the opportunity naturally to say, would I be able to share the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? And there you go. You're, you're down the road of uh, an open door and permission to be able to share the greatest thing that's ever happened to you and how Jesus has changed your life. And so here we go. The, the, if you put up your pointer finger, the, the second point is BC, before Christ. Who were you before Christ? What was happening in your life before Jesus came into your life, before he saved you, before you heard the gospel message? Um, what was going on there? And then uh, the third one, is turning point. Um, and it, you can just remember the the initials TP, turning point. And I, I love this theological thought. Um, we hear the word repentance a lot in church, and we also hear the word faith 
a lot. And, and, and what is repentance truly? And what is faith? And, um, as I was researching the message, I, I, I just came across this, that the turning point is where repentance and faith happen together. You can't have faith in Jesus Christ without repentance and you can't repent from your sin, uh, to anybody, but Jesus and putting your faith in Jesus. So it's something that works together. Repentance is turning away from your old way of living. It's turning away from your old way of thinking, your old way of believing, and it's turning towards Jesus. And the turning towards Jesus is faith. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. So repentance, turning away from your old way of living, and putting your trust, your faith, your life, your eternity in the hands of Jesus, turning towards Jesus saying, I'm going to follow you. So what's your turning point? The fourth one is, is AD. After you made the decision to follow Jesus, what happened in your life? Uh, how has your life changed? And I just, I made a point to say, it's not that when you give your life to Jesus, everything is great. I will say it is much greater than not living for Jesus. Um, there's greater favor, greater blessing, there's greater wholeness, uh, there's greater confidence and security. There's a, 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 a purpose, a mission, a calling. Uh, so living for Jesus is greater, but, but even in the difficulty, even in the trouble, the trial, the chaos, the crisis, when I get, when I give my life to Jesus, after I made that decision, I now had a strength that I didn't have before to withstand the storms of life. And so be able to share what happened after you made the decision. And then the last one, the fifth one, and we've got all of our fingers up now, we're holding, holding up our hand. We've, we're memorizing this. Um, if I didn't give my life to Jesus, here's where I think I'd be. Here's what would have happened. And as I share that story, I, I've got a friend, Ryan, who attends the Apple Valley campus. He's amazing. Um, just a man of God. And there's a call of God on his life. And he's got an, just he, he's got a pretty wild testimony of how God has delivered him. But as I was preaching that on Saturday, I, I looked at Ryan, and I know his story that he wrote his suicide letter. He, he wrote the letter to his wife um, saying, hey, uh, I'm saying goodbye. And he had that letter written and his wife, he agreed to, to go to freedom one time. Fine, I'll go to freedom one time. And it was the last ditch effort before he made a decision that, that you could never come back from. And at freedom, he had an encounter with the Lord. And he gave his life to Jesus, and uh, his marriage is strong. He's got young kids, and the family is amazing. And he's now on mission to see people who are lost in his old world, the the old way of living. He 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 is on a mission, passionately, to see those people give their lives to Christ. So, um, if you hadn't given your life to Jesus, where would you be? And you can just think about that. And it's called the one minute witness. I want to give this a try. I'm looking at my watch here. I'm going to I'm going to do mine. I'm going to give my example just and I'll I'll just keep it under a minute. Hey, would I be able to ask you a question? What's the greatest thing that ever happened to you? And then I'm listening to your story. Would I be able to share the greatest thing that ever happened to me? I the greatest thing that ever happened to me is Jesus totally transformed and changed my life. Before I knew Jesus, 
I grew I grew up in the church and I, I was a, a pastor's kid, but when I was in high school, I was not living for the Lord. I was running from God. I was I was addicted to things I didn't need to be addicted to. I was pursuing the wrong things. I, I even got arrested twice. I got in trouble with the law and I knew that my life was not on the right path. I had this turning point where I had a friend kind of uh, confront me saying, you should not be living this way. This is not the plan that God has for you. And I can't watch you ruin your life anymore. You need to change your life. That was an encounter moment with me believing that God was speaking to me through my friend. And I made a decision when I was 18 again to rededicate my life to the Lord, to pursue him, to turn away from the old way of living and to follow Jesus. And after making that decision, honestly, I ha- I've had a call to ministry. I never thought I'd become a pastor, but uh, I've been serving in ministry now 14 years. And um, I've got an amazing wife. I, I-, I don't I-, I don't know if I would have found her if I hadn't made that decision. I've got four amazing kids and we serve in a awesome church. God's totally changed our life. He's provided every single one of our needs. And I I believe this, if I never made that decision, um, I might be dead. I might be in jail and I for sure wouldn't have the life that God's given me. What would keep you from making the decision today to follow Jesus? End scene. There we go. I don't know if I actually hit it in a minute. Um, and it was kind of a broad, broad brush stroke. But, but even if it took you three minutes, you know, and you're in a setting where you have relationship with the person and you're, you just give it a shot. I know that the adrenaline will be pumping and maybe you get a little bit nervous, but I just want to encourage everybody here, give that a try, the one minute witness. And uh, hopefully you enjoy my testimony also. God's totally changed my life. Everything that I said is true. And I wouldn't trade my life with Jesus for the world. Um, that's for sure. We got a couple questions just transitioning here. Got a couple questions that have come in this week. Actually, a lot of questions. I won't be able to hit them all, uh, but I'm going to start with the first one from Noah Bennett. Love him. He's the, the worship pastor up at City Campus. He said, predict the score of the Super Bowl. <laughs> and and uh, I just, I'm the wrong person to do that because I, I'm not... I love sports. I just don't really follow it. Uh, But I do know this, that the Kansas City Chiefs are going up against the San Francisco 49ers. And just to make this a a public statement, I I believe that the Chiefs are going to win. And not just because it's rigged or because there's conspiracy around Taylor Swift or that she's a psyop or that um, Travis Kelsey is is whatever. Uh, But I do believe Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be... I, I think the offense is going to go after it on both sides. So I'm going to guess that it's going to be 24 to 21 Kansas City Chiefs. You heard it here first, 24 to 21 Super Bowl. I don't know what number it is, but 2024. There we go. That That's a great question. Thanks, Noah. Here's a question from KDD910. Um, I don't know what your name is, uh, but we got it. Parenting tips, how to discipline. Oh, good question. How to get on the same page as your spouse. Man, I wish my wife was on this podcast today. Uh, Should we phone a friend and ask her? I'm just kidding. Uh, How to discipline, it's a good question. I think uh, it it is clear that a good parent disciplines. 
And it's also clear in the word of God that discipline, uh, there is there is good fruit to discipline. And I'll just say this, I, there's not enough time to talk about um, abuse or toxic environments or unhealthy expectations of parents that, you know, don't let kids be kids. And, um, but I, but I want to speak more so from the culture that we live in. We live in a culture right now where we've got a lot of young parents that are letting their children run the show. And parents are, they, they, they just think that it's normal. Like, ah, yeah, kids will be kids. And yeah, that's just do it. And, and, there are a lot of parents out there that will be in public environments embarrassed of their children because of the way that they're behaving and allow their kids to talk any which way. Or um, I, honestly, I've seen it even in the church. I've seen uh, kids hit their parents and the parents just kind of let it happen. And and there's kind of like a there's like a wildness that that is happening culturally because parents want to be so nice and gentle and you know that you know they just got to work it out of their system and Kaylee and I my wife and I we we are definitely taking a different approach and I love this is from Jordan Peterson but he's got a chapter in his book called 12 rules for life one of the rules is don't let your kids do things that makes you not like them I'll say it again. Don't let your kids do things that makes you not like them. And and don't get offended at that statement. The reality is there are things that kids will do that you're like, man, I wish my kid wasn't like that or I wish they didn't do that. But then a lot of parents just allow their kids to do that. And what, what is happening unintentionally is you are unintentionally allowing a, a wedge of resentment to grow between you and your child because maybe you're embarrassed or you you don't like that you don't like what they're doing and it's like why you know why are, and you as the parent are in authority and have the ability and the position by God to correct your children and to discipline your children as they deliberately disobey the direction or the correction um, that you're giving them. And the the thing too is, you know, the Jordan Peterson thing, it's not just about a wedge of resentment that grows between you and your child, but if you allow your child to live any which way out in the world publicly, you know, there's a lot of parents, like if you've ever been in a grocery store and a kid is just losing their mind, just screaming, throwing a tantrum, and the parent is doing nothing. And they're just, they're like, all right, you're going to act that way. Uh, you're not, you're not ruining my life. I'm just going to keep shopping. But the problem is every other shopper that is watching this meltdown has a growing resentment between uh, them and your child and, and probably judging your parenting. That's just what, that's just naturally what happens. But, but what world do you want your child to live in? Do you want your child to live in a world that all of the people witnessing their behavior and their actions have a growing resentment or frustration towards them, which then, then you know, maybe they're, maybe they're given weird looks or frustrated or avoiding. And, and at least for my kids, I don't want my kids to live in a world where people avoid them because of their behavior or are upset at them because of their behavior 
or that don't um, aren't friendly towards them. And what does that do then to the child? The child has to develop coping mechanisms then socially because people are avoiding them, don't like them, they get picked on. And all of this could have been prevented if you as the parent brought strong leadership. Kids need strong leadership and they're looking for a strong leader. And you are the leader that God placed in their life to lead them and to correct them. That's a long story just to say, Kaylee and I, we discipline our children because of deliberate disobedience. It's not just about an accident. It's not just about, um, you know, something that they do uh, without thinking. And it's like, oh, I should, you know, I should have thought through that before. We will correct it, but we bring discipline And my wife and I, we do spank our children uh, when there is deliberate disobedience. And I'll say this too. I I think this is a helpful tip that when your kid does something deliberately against what you tell them to do, I think it's okay to give them a positive correction in that saying, hey, because you did this, now I'm asking you to go apologize or I'm asking you to go um, uh, do this chore or be a contributor, somebody that's responsible, helping us in the home. And if they, if not just if they do the initial deliberate disobedience, but if they do the deliberate disobedience as you're doing a positive correction to go apologize or to say, I'm, I'm sorry, mom or dad, or to go take out the garbage or to do some type of helpful thing in the home. Like, Hey, you did a negative action. And now I'm telling you as the parent, I'm telling you to do a positive action. If there's deliberate disobedience to the positive action, when the kids are young, they do learn from pain. And I do believe in healthy uh, spanking and, and discipline that tells them, hey, mom and dad are serious. Um, and and discipline is not just spanking, by the way. Discipline is also if, if you know, it's taking away a toy that they shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't have been playing with or taking away the thing that they were disobeying. Or um, I'm not a huge fan of sending them away, like banishing them. Uh, I know people do timeouts and things like that. I'm not necessarily against um, having somebody sit in my presence and with me like uh, I, I remember getting disciplined as a kid that, um, you know, I got in major trouble actually. And my mom, instead of saying, get away from me, my mom said, Hey, this is going to be tougher for me because of your actions. And I, I hope you feel that, but you are going to be with me all the time over the next few days, you know, be, because of the consequence. And so she said, when I get up at 5am to walk the dogs, I'm waking you up and you're walking with me as we walk the dogs. And that can be a part of discipline of like, man, I should not have done that. And now I'm suffering because I got to wake up early and I got to walk. But I felt loved by my mom in that discipline. And I felt like she wasn't ashamed of me. She was disappointed in my actions, but I felt loved, cared for, and not, she wasn't ashamed of me. And she brought me closer rather than banishing me. So there, there's a lot more that we could talk about. We could break down specific examples. We could talk about when do we stop spanking, you know, as they grow older. Um, and so th- there, there's a ton of things to talk about. Uh, but that's that's my initial response. Don't let your kids do things that makes you not like them. And also deliberate disobedience does get discipline in our home. 
Great question, KDD910. Okay, here's a, here's another uh, question from Maricel Smith. And I, I know her, and she's uh, moving back to South Africa in her home. But she's she's asking, when when the Lord calls you somewhere and you go, is it okay not to feel joyful about it? Uh, that's a great question, man. That's, and that's kind of a heavy question. The Lord calls you to a place that you're not joyful. I will say this. If you are in the will of God and you obey, there is joy in obedience to following the call of God on your life, no matter where it is, no matter what it is, there will be fruit and joy to your obedience, and if not on this side of eternity, which I believe there will be joy on this side of eternity, but if not, for sure there will be joy for all eternity as we make it to heaven. And so it is natural to be called to a place that is unknown. It's natural to be called to a, um, uh, to a vocation or a state or a community or a mission um, that is unknown. Maybe it was unforeseen by you. That's what God does. The The story of Abraham, uh, the story of, of Jonah. Hey, I'm calling you to Nineveh. He definitely did not want to go. There was not joy in that. And he ran from the call of God. I would say this. Um, it's okay not to feel joyful about doing what God is asking you to do in, in regards to your natural f- flesh. But you, at a deeper level, in your spirit, you should feel a sense of joy and peace knowing that you're doing what God's asked you to do. And for sure, if you're like Jonah, running from the call of God, running away from God, it will be less joyful in disobedience. It will be less peaceful in disobedience. And so uh, that's just an encouragement to you um, that follow the call of God no matter what. And I believe that on the other side of your obedience, on the other side of your faith step, God is going to implant and infuse the joy of the Lord like never before. And so, um, Marisol, thanks so much for asking the question. That's awesome. Let's do one more. Let's see. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to wait for this one for Logan. Uh, I'm not going to answer this. Is it biblical to doomsday prep? I love that question from Nate Murphy. And I'm going to do that with Logan because uh, he's got a little, uh, I'm just going to expose him for a second that he's got, he's just got a touch of prepper in him. And uh, I actually love that about Logan. And, and so I'm going to let him talk about that next week. Um, Let's see. Uh, From Victoria Cortez, thanks for asking this question. How can I move through the hardships of my relationship with my partner? I've prayed. Um, That's a good question. I I don't know the certain example. If you guys are are dating and there's hardships and your partner is not saved, uh, you you really should have a mentor in your life, Uh, preferably a female mentor that is married, loving the, loving the Lord. Uh, that's not the only qualifications, but that's just, if I was giving you advice, find somebody that is married, that loves the Lord, their spouse loves the Lord, that is ahead of the road of you, maybe a, a little bit older or has a little bit more experience, and let them speak into your life and your relationship and, and just let them know, you know, whatever details, hey, here's what we're going through, and have have some godly people in your life speaking into you. Um, and if you're married, now you're married to somebody uh, that 
you know, I'm, I'm just making assumptions here, so I don't know if this is the exact situation, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're married, so it's not just a dating relationship, but now it's a marriage relationship and my spouse doesn't love the Lord. If there's not abuse or, uh, or neglect, um, in regards to like, it's an unsafe environment for you to be, but they're like, Hey, you be a Christian and I'm going to do my thing, but you guys are married. Um, then the Bible does does make it clear. It's okay for you to stay in that marriage. That is good and right as you continue to pray for your spouse's salvation. And so um, that's all good. I would, I would never give the encouragement to a Christ follower to marry somebody who is unsaved. But as you've made that action and you're already in the marriage, it is good and right to stay in that marriage and to continue to pray and believe that God is going to speak to your spouse uh, through your uh, the fruit of your life, through your encouragement, words of affirmation, or just him revealing it through somebody else, or even in a dream, or speaking to his heart. I just heard a testimony of uh, uh, a wife that has been praying for her husband for years and years and years. And um, this is somebody that ha- had served in the military, and he, he just had... Uh, he, he, he just was never in the place to be open and receptive to the gospel message of Jesus. And on a beach standing um, in a time away, the Lord showed up to him and he had a total breakdown moment before the Lord. God, if you're real, speak to me. And God showed up. And this prayer request that this wife has been praying for years and years and years. And I think we're going to do a video testimony of this story. The husband is now living for Jesus, alive in Christ, and the Lord has answered her prayer. And so God is doing that type of, um, he, he's answering that type of prayer request. And Victoria, he can do that in your life as well. Continue to pray. Get good people around you. If your partner or spouse can, can show up to church, be in godly community. All of that is a win. Uh, but never discount the power of God through prayer as um you're believing that God's going to save your partner. So uh, thanks for all these questions. I think this is this is great. This is where we're going to end. I'm going to open up my River Valley app and look through some of the prayer requests that have come through. Uh, let's see. As we end in prayer, we'll have a song as well. Praying for Jeremy. Please join us in praying as we step into what God has called us to do in 2024. And don't let a spirit of fear come over us. Yep, we're praying for Jeremy. Uh, pray for Wendy. Pre- Please pray for more wisdom every day from the Lord that I would not be like the person who looks in the mirror then forgets what they look like. And she's referencing uh, one of the soap chapters that we read this year, this this week. Praying for Emily feels like God just brought us through illness and COVID in our home, and we're now being hit with something different. Pray for good health on the horizon for my household. Praying for Taryn. Uh, pray for my great aunt Beth. Please pray that when she goes in for her breast surgery that they would find no evidence of cancer and that she would need no more treatments. Um, Pastor Zeus over at Shakopee putting in a prayer request, prayers for Kevin. Um, So praying for Kevin right now. Uh, Those are a few prayer requests. There's a lot more represented across the church and and prayers that you know. Let's pray right now. Lord, we thank you that you are moving in our church, and I thank you for the testimony of salvation that I just shared, as well as the men's men's group that goes to the Mall of America. Thank you, Lord, also for uh, Delaney Book leading 10 teenagers to the Lord. God, we give you praise for what what you're doing. 
And, and, and Lord, we just are, are asking for you to answer prayer right now in the name of Jesus, that you would move in power like never before. God, would you answer these prayers? There's people that need healing. There's people that are going in for a surgery that, that have had cancer, uh, that need a touch from God. Lord, would you move in their life? Would you answer these prayers in the name of Jesus? Lord, you know every situation. You know the, the, the big needs. You know the small needs. Um, and, and Lord, I've got a, I've got a praise report right here, just as we wrap up, uh, wrap up the podcast from Jeremy Frost. Jeremy got this text from his wife, praise God, new from my mom, my lymph node tumor by my neck is completely gone. The lung tumor is very diminished. The spot on my shoulder is not cancer. They're continuing to watch and monitor for the next three months. And so Jeremy and Jen, we're we're praising God for Jen's mom right now that the, the lymph node tumor is completely gone. Lord, totally demolish the lung tumor that is diminished, but God, would you make it disappear? Heal her. Thank God that the spot is not cancerous. And I, I just pray that, Lord, let that miracle be multiplied across every prayer request that is had in our church. And as we get ready to worship, we focus on you. As we listen to this song, we worship you. God, you're worthy of all of our praise. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the River Valley Podcast. It would help us out a ton if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also share it with somebody. We hope that this isn't just for people in our church. We hope that this is people far beyond that, but we know that people in our church maybe don't even know about it yet. We're talking about it on weekends. We're sharing in announcements, but maybe you're a listener, but someone in your small group isn't or someone at your campus. So would you send it to them, share it with them so that they can receive this and then rate it wherever you listen so that more people can find this podcast. If you have questions about faith, about church, about belief, about theology, about the Bible, please submit your questions. You can find us on Instagram at River Valley MN. You can also uh, email us, finding us on our website, rivervalley.org. Please, we want to hear your questions so that we can continue to answer those or at least respond to them here on the podcast. And again, thank you for listening. We'll see you in church this weekend.